AmericaAmericaAmerica.com. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome to the show to all of you. I love all of my listeners. I have such great listeners. That's why this show is doing so well. And I've got to tell you, you're in for a special treat today because there are those in life that, you know, they look at a situation and they say, I can't do anything about it. Then there are people that look at a situation and say, I've got a great idea and I know how to solve this business issue, and that would be my friend and the friend of all Americans with disabilities, Miss Erin Riley, who is also Project Search, a new Freedom Initiative Award winner. Welcome to the show. It is really a pleasure to have you, Erin. She is the founder and senior director of Project Search, and I would call her a make-it-happen person. Erin Riley, welcome. Thanks, Joyce. I, uh, that was that was a pretty awesome uh, little um, introduction. I hope I can live up to it. Oh, well, you already have lived up to it, Erin. And you know why? I was so excited to have Erin on the show. I just love people that are the real deal. I do. You know, and, and she really is the real deal. And I'm going to begin for all of our listeners throughout the world listening to the show. Erin, first, if you could tell them your background first, what sure. you were doing at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. Sure. What what I was doing, Joyce? Yes. Um, well, you know, actually, before you started Project Search. Yeah. Um, well, you know what happened? Um, I'm a nurse by profession, mm-hmm. and um, and I was um, actually the director of the emergency room at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. And, um, you know, it's it's kind of odd because um, all I knew really about people with disabilities was what I had learned in, in nursing school, which was kind of the patient care focus. But... Um, I didn't really have any family members or, or friends who had disabilities. But about 12 years ago, um, I had what I kind of refer to as my disability epiphany. And um, a couple things happened to me, really. Um, number one, the hospital had this huge diversity push, but I recognized that it really um, wasn't very inclusive, um, didn't include disability. And, and secondly, um, I had a number of um, high turnover entry level positions that I was just constantly filling. And I, I, I know, Joyce, you're familiar with uh, CIRM, the Society for Human Resource Management. Mm-hmm. But they say that their um, the turnover rate in hospitals and support positions is 47%, which meant that I was wow. filling. I, yeah, I know. It's amazing. But I was filling some positions on average twice a year um, and, and just kept hiring the same, the same people. And then the third thing that happened for me um, was that I was working on my budget for the emergency room one day and um, had a chance to look at the hospital's entire budget and happened to notice that of our top 20 um, revenue indicators, 10 were directly related to disability and chronic illness. And for me what that meant was that, in fact, the hospital makes a very large percentage of our revenue from providing medical care to people with disabilities. But we if you could just stop one minute, could you give an example to our listeners of what you mean? Well, for example, um, every you know, where children's hospital and adult hospitals are exactly the same, only probably do more, but, you know, just think about it. We're a children's hospital, and, for example, we have 48 clinics, and two-thirds of our clinics are actually even named after a disability. So we have... 
Um, we have autism clinic, and we have Down syndrome clinic, and we have CP clinic, and we have um, epilepsy clinic, and so we're providing medical care every day of our our lives. That's what our business is about to people who have disabilities. Um, it's a large part of our revenue, and and yet, again, we never put our money where our mouth was, and turned back around and also said that we believe they could be productively employed adults. Now, it's my opinion that in, in adult health care, it's actually even worse because, well, not worse, but I think a larger percentage of their revenue comes from providing medical care to people with disabilities because you have to include um, some of the, the things that come along with aging and, and CV, cardiovascular accidents or strokes and uh, and traumas and head injuries and those things. So, But anyway, so those three things kind of came together for me, and I thought, you know, I don't know anything about this, but... What would it hurt? And I reached out to a couple um, rehab agencies in the community and, quite frankly, kind of said, hey, do you think, you know, a person with a a really significant uh, intellectual or physical disability could work in an emergency room? And they kind of laughed and said, well, gosh, we don't know. We've never done it, but we're willing to talk about it. And so that's how we started 12 years ago. You know, and I just want to say why I wanted Erin to first state um, her actual skill, her trade, her career prior to having this, as she calls it, disability epiphany, is that, you know, she is a nurse. She was in the emergency room. So, you know, when you talk to Erin, it's not that you're talking to, oh, here's this person from vocational rehab, and of course, you know, I'm not meaning anything offensive to them, but... I'm meaning if you're another hospital listening to the show or if you're anyone listening to the show, I mean, this is her background. You know, she comes from operations. This is what she does, which I believe even adds so much more to it. And the other thing is that, you know, we all think we can't make a difference. But look what's happened from what Erin Riley has done. Unbelievable what has happened. So why don't you tell our listeners, Erin, about... Project Search. Well, you know, um, we started our program 12 years ago, like I said, and um, you know, it, it's really um, kind of in amazing. Cincinnati. Yeah, in Cincinnati, Ohio, at Cincinnati Children's. And for the first couple of years, um, I basically was a business liaison, kind of working with uh, an agency and a school, both of whom um, serve people with disabilities. And then afterward, it became such a positive program for the hospital on so many levels that they offered me a chance to start my own department um, and and really kind of work with anybody in the country or or world, quite frankly, who wanted to do this. But um, we partnered with um, a a school, a vocational school, that also does some adult service programming um, called Great Oaks. We partnered with Hamilton County um, MRDD and also with um, Ohio Rehab Services Commission, or VR, and we sat down and said, how can we work together to use um, existing funding that um, that's already available to create a sustainable employment and training program for people with significant disabilities? And we started with one employee, and today in our hospital we have 58. Um, we also have a school program every single year, and we take... We bring in 12 students with significant disabilities who spend their entire school year um, in our in our business um, learning 
trades and skills that they can then take out to be competitively employed in the in the working world. Um, and um, we now, um, just in even Hamilton County, we manage eight um, other educational programs. So you figure eight times 12. Uh, we're impacting 96 students with significant disabilities. In Which our, is fantastic. Our yeah, it's pretty amazing. Our, plus our placement rate is 82.5% um, into employment. And we now have similar employment and training programs in, uh, in 77 locations in the United States. And let me ask you, what is that turnover rate now? You know, it's, it's, it's funny you would ask, and you already know the answer, Joyce, because you're a, a huge uh, advocate. But, you know, I can give you a couple examples where we've taken folks and uh, put them in jobs where the average length of stay was 2.4 years, and we have people who've been there 9 and 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are really significantly... Um, now listen to what she's saying. Remember what she said at the beginning about having to fill jobs twice in one year? I mean, all of this is business. This is all bottom line business. Think what this brings to the bottom line. Because when you have that astronomical turnover, it's training all over again, recruitment all over again. I mean, that is a horrific cost to any business. And when you can take it down to what she's done, average two years, now nine years, what a business benefit. I mean, Aaron, did this initially just really shock all the people there? I, you know, I think it totally did. Um, I mean, there's just so many business benefits and that, um, you know, we look at now. And, um, you know, that not only is there um, the, the benefit of, of serving or, or employing the people we're providing medical care to, but there's also the benefit of, um, and I know you've, I'm sure you've talked about this, the, um, the Gallup poll that came out this past September that said that 88% of Americans um, favor um, one employer, one empl- like employer over another if they employ people with disabilities, and we have certainly seen that. And the truth is, as a hospital, we would like it if every person with a disability um, came to our hospital to receive medical care. It would be good for us. And But in order for us to do that, we have to be equally loyal and also believe that every person we, we work with can be productively employed. So huge, huge uh, business benefit to us. Um, you know, I think our guiding principle is that if you want to serve the public, then you you darn well ought to reflect the public you're serving. Um, and it's just it's simply good business on a, on a number of levels. It really is. And, you know, if you're wondering how could that number be so high in that Gallup poll, how could it be possible that it could be, I'll tell you why. Think There's 54 million Americans with disabilities. Now, think how many of those people have mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, spouses, partners, whatever they have. I guarantee you there's a whole nucleus involved, and they know companies that serve people with disabilities. Well, again, Joyce, they know. Know. I'm preaching to the choir here because um, you certainly are, are a leader in the field, but as you well know, um, people with disabilities themselves are estimated to have about one trillion in income, and if you include their again the same group you just listed, their significant others, their family members, their neighbors, everybody who cares about them, it turns into the over three trillion dollars a year, and that is a huge economic investment, and business needs to be fully aware of that um, and to be working with with that population. 
You know, and I know when you're hearing this that the first question you must be answering, asking yourself if you're in that choir, is why the heck can we still have this high unemployment rate yeah. knowing all of this? I think my answer is I don't know. <laughs> you know what I think. I think there's an attitudinal barrier and a lack of education. Mm-hmm. But this I do believe. That well, you if know, you get I- more people in the workforce and you have more Aaron Rileys out there talking, <laughs> that eventually you'll start knocking down those stones. Well, I, I think it's a couple things, just what you said. I I, I think there are a couple problems. And, uh, and one is that... Um, you know, you, you take people with significant disabilities, and it, it's kind of like they they get caught in a cycle um, because some of the policies related to job placement and, and job training and and how much time is, is considered uh, reasonable keep them largely stuck in, in some of those stereotypical jobs. And not to say that it's not honest work choice. You know, I don't think that. But when there's 60% of people with significant disabilities working just in food service, just in... Um, and cleaning and those types of jobs, that's way out of proportion to um, any single group's desire to be simply in those jobs. It has to be more about where they're being placed or what's considered the, the easiest placement. And I think what happens, though, is that so that's they're placed in those types of jobs, whether it's a good fit or not. That's what America sees, and then that's all America envisions. And we're never taught to have a higher expectation. I agree with you 100%. And we're going to talk more about that as soon as we come back. If you just tuned in, we're talking to Aaron Riley, the founder and senior director of Project Search. And we will also be talking to Susan Frainer, manager of Project Search. So don't go away. You don't want to miss this. This is America's Voice. VoiceAmerica.com. I'll be right back. VoiceAmerica.com, your news talk information radio network. Albert Einstein once said, nothing happens until something moves. Will your movement towards realizing a dream, making a long-lasting change to your life, or simply putting a daily smile on your face is just a click away. Tune into Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney and free your mind, open your heart, and ignite action in your life. Hosting Commander and Change, Empowerment Coach, and International Speaker, Scott Chesney shares his insights to making the most out of your daily lives. Scott interviews people who are maximizing their lives, the most recognizable transformationalists and leaders around the world, as well as those hometown heroes that move, touch, and inspire the best in all of us. Stay tuned into Maximizing Life for Scott's one-on-one coaching with callers. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney broadcasts each Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney, inspiring you to live life with passion, purpose, and limitless potential. Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST. 4 
p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back to the show, and I'm talking to my friend and your friend, Erin Riley, founder and senior director of Project Search. And, you know, right before we went to break, uh, we were talking about something that goes to a question here from a listener in Kansas that I'm going to read to you. And and here it is. It is, uh, Aaron, do you think there is a day, do you think there is a time that people will believe that someone that has a, a disability such as Down syndrome will be able to do more than just work as a janitor. What what are your feelings about that? Sign Nancy. You know, I am totally. Um, I believe it's it's a it's a soon day. Um, I think that you know we have uh, we now have 77 programs across the country, um, most in hospitals, some in banks. Um, we have people with with Down syndrome doing incredibly complex work. Um, I speak on it every day of my life. Um, you know, we also were, were just in England working with the National Health Service, and we're going to be in, back in England and Russia in a couple months. Um, I, I, think, I think there's a new day coming, um, and I, I really do believe that it, it's changing. Yeah, and I just want to mention something about that. Um, you know, here's the way it is. If if I go to a fundraiser, and just as Aaron said before, please keep in mind, there's good jobs, honest jobs for everyone. But when you go to a fundraiser, if everyone that gets an award, a company, the person with an intellectual disability goes forward and they're all janitors or they're all working at a grocery store or they're all, you know, the bus boy or bus girl, what this says to the business community, that's all this person can do. And again, believe me, disability or not, there isn't anything wrong with that job. But it would be like going to a woman's conference where you're giving an award to companies and every woman, that was the same job versus seeing women in business positions or other positions. Let you know what, tell them for a minute, Erin, what well, they do in, in, in Project uh-huh. Search. Well, I, I just want to tell you a story, too, and then, again, I, I probably will get myself in trouble, but I'll, um, you know, I recently, I called the um, American Association of People with Disabilities because they actually um, run a program called Disability Mentoring Day, which I believe in strongly, and um, they their whole goal is to um, invite young adults with disabilities into into work sites, into businesses, um, to, to, to mentor or, or to be with somebody who can be a mentor for the day so they can see different opportunities. And, and this year, and this is just a perfect example, because it wasn't, it wasn't uh, you know, it, it wasn't mean-spirited. I think it was unintentional. But um, 
they they sent out just hundreds of cards to businesses and schools and and people with disabilities, um, kind of advertising their Disability Mentoring Day. Now, I must admit they do have posters, and on the posters they show a variety of jobs. But on the card that they sent out, um, Advertising Disability Mentoring Day, in fact, it's a person with Down syndrome um, working in a kitchen um, doing cleaning. And it's that kind of thing that really, um, whether it's intentional or not, um, you know, and maybe in this case it was due to a funder. It very well could have been. But um, it, it keeps those stereotypes alive. And so then when a business gets that card, if they've not seen the poster, if they've not had a different experience, then what they think is, well, this is Disability Mentoring Day. I'd best open up some jobs in my kitchen or in my cleaning service. Do you know what I mean? Yes, and you know what? I'm going to take a guess what happened because I know AAPD very well yeah. and have and serve on their board. I'm just taking a guess. I didn't see that. But one of their big funders is Darden Restaurants. And I know that that is the case, actually. And what they did, Darden Restaurants, on Disability Mentoring Day, they paid for all of the, across the United States, they paid for people to have lunch, you know, like here in Pittsburgh, the Red Lobster brought in lunch, catered lunch. I'm just taking a guess what that is because I have not seen it. But I know that on their uh, board that they are searching for a person with an intellectual disability to serve on their board. So I, I, I'm taking a guess that's what it was. But, Aaron, you know, don't get me wrong. I told you when I go to these fundraisers, I, I know what you're talking about in reference to other places. For example, um, well, I, I was at an event, and there was not one person that was in, like, a business-type job that mm. what they were giving awards for. Yeah. Not one. Well, now, tell our listeners for a minute what they do when they work for you, Erin. Well, I, I just want to go back to it. And, again, I don't want the AAP to be calling me, but um, I totally support their work. Uh, I'm a member. I go to their dinner every year. Um, I think they're doing great things. Um, and I, I do agree that it was probably because of a, a vendor support, which is excellent. But then I wish they maybe could have had two pictures, um, you know, just some way to begin to change those stereotypes because little things make a huge difference. So well, I'm going to tell you something. One thing I love about AAPD mm-hmm. is that they love to hear anything, anything they're doing, <laughs> because let's face it, you know, um, when I first started this company, I had something on my, okay, I take, you know, I wasn't even thinking about it. When I first put the slogan on my business card, uh-huh. it said, um, you know, competitive jobs mean freedom, and then it said providing employment opportunities to people with physical disabilities, and thank goodness, I mean, I got slammed, but thank goodness someone slammed me because I really had not thought about it. Why do I have the word physical there? You know, what about, I mean, I have epilepsy. What about me? What about sensory disabilities? What about psychiatric disabilities? What about intellectual disabilities? Mm-hmm. And one thing I, I love about them is that they want to know, and I will be one of the people telling them about this. Well, I, again, I didn't see it, but I understand what your point is. Well, I, I just think we all have, you know, the, your guest asked or your caller before asked, you know, do I think there will be a change in time? I do think part of that change is can only come about if we pay attention to the little things that include pictures, words, even semantics. Um, you know, it, it's as basic as the, all the little things we do every day that send a, a subtle message. Oh, yeah. No doubt about that. Because 
little things mean a lot to people. In, in not only just that, even with our verbiage of what we say. That's why one day someone was talking about Disability Mentoring Day. How do I feel about that term? I said, well, of course. Why wouldn't I like that term? I mean, I am a person with a disability. I'm not ashamed I have a disability. I mean, you, you really have to be careful. It's like when people tell their children, don't tell anyone you have epilepsy. Why? Yeah. What's that mean? That there's something wrong with you? Right. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I absolutely do. I, and Erin has done something phenomenal because tell them what kind of jobs they do for you, Erin. We know we have, um, gosh, we have, like I said, 58 employees. And we have folks with Down syndrome, Williams syndrome, cerebral palsy, um, just many, uh, you know, uh, hearing impairments, visual impairments, uh, many, many types of disabilities. And um, they really are doing um, kind of what we said in our first three years of operation kind of laid the groundwork. But we basically said that we wanted to break all those stereotypes. And so we only look for jobs that we considered non-stereotypical. And what we found, which is fascinating, is that sometimes those stereotypical jobs aren't even the best fits because they, they may require skills that aren't necessarily the easiest. And we began instead to look for really complex work that is standardized or routine. And in banks, in hospitals, in insurance companies, and in law firms, there are just hundreds and hundreds of jobs which are complex but routine. And so over the years, we've had amazing success at putting people with significant disabilities in jobs such as, um, gosh, we have people who work at, you know, the only person at our hospital who sterilizes every dental instrument that goes into our our patients who come to the dental clinic. And we have a 15-room dental clinic that runs from 8 a.m. till 8 p.m. every day. The only person sterilizing and processing those instruments is a, is a young woman with Down syndrome. Oh, that is so awesome. But we have people working in, in clinical sterilization, which means they're putting together the trays that are used in surgery. And some of these trays have as many as five to 600 instruments. And we have people with significant disabilities doing the job and doing it better and staying longer than many other people in the department. Because, it's, it, yes, it's very complex. Yes, it's very critical. But it, it becomes standardized. It can be easily taught. And once someone has it, they can do it for the rest of their life, and it's a career. And we have people, um, you know, all across the hospital, we have people with significant disabilities who are stocking equipment and supplies. Um, working with materials. We have people who are doing data entry, um, who are doing patient transports, working in, as lab technicians. I mean, it, it really is unbelievable. And I, I would say, you know, we have um, people come in for tours every month and, you know, that we offer. Um, and it's a life, sometimes it's a life-changing experience to see, you know, what's out there and, and what's possible. Mm-hmm. You know what? I guarantee you if you would go to people and tell them, that, you know, someone with an intellectual disability is doing this work with the, you know, that you just told me with those surgical instruments, they would just be astonished. I mean, I think that is so awesome. See, that's what you did, Erin, that's so important, is that you're getting people to, you thought outside the box. You got outside that paradigm mm-hmm. of, you know, busboy, janitor, et cetera. You got outside that box. Mm-hmm. And look what you proved through doing this. Well, you know what's interesting about it, though, Joyce, and, and you, you really have to be careful. You have to think of many things, but 
um, and I do have permission to use their names, but um, the first young woman we hired in uh, clinical sterilization to put together trays that were used in the operating room also had Down syndrome. And she's worked for us again for nine years, making a fabulous salary, has full-time benefits, her own tax sheltered annuity, annuity, doing a great job. And every tray she puts together, you know, we're not just talking about throwing instruments in a tray. We're talking about laying them in a precise fashion, in precise levels, exactly as the physician would use them. And they have to, it has to be done exactly the same way every time. And then she has to sign her name or make some mark on a, a piece of paper that then gets sterilized with that tray. So we know every time we open a tray that she's put together, it's, it's checked by the team that's going to use it in the operating room. And the entire time she's worked for us, she has made one mistake, which is less than just about anybody else in the department. And she is so good, in fact, that that department came back to us and said, we would like to hire five more people with significant disabilities. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? That is music to my ears, let me tell you that. And we'll be right back after break with Erin Riley, who is making a difference with Project Search. This is Joyce Bender, where disability matters on voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. From our home to your speakers, voiceamerica.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Ever wonder what are the favorite travel destinations of the Hollywood Jet Set? Where do celebrities like to go when they aren't walking the red carpet? Tune in to Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk with President of Traveris, David Manning, and Lisa O'Hurley, golf aficionado and wife of actor John O'Hurley. On Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa talk with well-known actors, sports celebrities, and entertainment insiders to find out about their favorite travel destinations and what they recommend. On Travera Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa also offer up feature vacations each week and last-minute deals for your next getaway. Find out what's new and exciting in the travel industry, as well as how to raise money for your nonprofit organizations while enjoying a wonderful vacation. Travera Celebrity Travel Talk with David Manning and Lisa O'Hurley broadcasts each Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Travera Celebrity Travel Talk, your inside look into celebrities and travel. Join Patricia Raskin, host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call in to Positive Living, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. 
Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back, and we're talking to Erin Riley, the founder and senior director of Project Search. And we have a question for you from Linda in Philadelphia. Uh, congratulations, Erin, on what you're doing. You don't know how much it means to me. Hopefully, by the work you're doing, it will make people realize that it is not a bad thing to have a child with Down syndrome. Do you believe that you're changing minds of people in that way? And I assume, by the way, what she's talking about is you're all well aware of uh, all the articles out lately, you know, about eugenics and how you know doctors go to people when they're pregnant and say, "Do you want to really have this child?" Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, many times, you know, they do not. Uh, do you feel that you're having an impact in that area? Oh, 100%. Um, in fact, it's really kind of remarkable because, um, and I, we hear from families all the time, but um, the um, director of our genetics department actually stopped me this past year and said, you know, I, I've never told you this before, but every time I am counseling a family, um, doing prenatal counseling, and, and telling them news that they may or may not want to hear, she said, I tell them that before they leave the hospital, to go down, go down to our, our main hallway and spend an hour or two there and, and looking at our, and watching the invaluable work that our employees' disabilities are doing. So, no, I, you know, I, and even in Seattle, Washington, you know, I, I heard recently there was a mom and she had a young baby who had Down syndrome. And she, we have a program at Seattle Children's. And the mom happened to see an employee with, with Down syndrome. And she went up to him and his supervisor and asked if it would be possible to come back the next day and have lunch with him just because she wanted to talk to him about what it was like to be productively employed. And she suddenly had hope that she had not had before. So you know what, Joyce? We hear it every day. It is, um, it, you know, it, it's just about changing minds and attitudes. You know, that is tremendous. That is tremendous because um, I, you know, I believe that if a lot of um, people would go and visit you mm-hmm. and they were in that decision, mm-hmm. I think it would change a lot of minds. Oh, I do too, 100%. I do want I, to tell your listener that we have a program. Um, we're just starting a program at, um, did you say Pittsburgh or Philadelphia? Philadelphia. Yeah, we just are starting a program, um, a project search program at, at Philadelphia Children's. And the woman there who's uh, managing it is a woman by the name of Simi Trochtenberg. So there's someone to get in touch with it. Yeah, right Or, or you know what, what is your website? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Don't worry. You have no idea how many people I have on this show and... Website, website. Let's see. I got it. Okay, what is it? It is um, www.cincinnati, which is C I N C I N N A T I Children's, all one word, dot org, backslash PS. And you know what, um, Aaron, Project Search, you're a nonprofit organization? Well, we really we aren't a, a, our own entity. Um, I, I still work for the hospital, and my part my partners come from the agencies and schools we work with, and, and we are kind of a um, an entity, an intellectual entity, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. That's how we exist. Well, what I mean is, do you go out, you know, for funding, or just all of this is funded by Cincinnati Hospital? Well, 
um, Cincinnati does pay my salary, but we've had to um, hire a person to kind of do my job at the hospital. So now when I, I typically work with um, businesses and agencies and schools across the country, I do have to charge a day rate and, and my expenses um, just to allow me to, to be in those places. But um, So that, that's basically how we're funded. We don't have any um, Mitsubishi. Um, MEF has funded some replication and dissemination in the past, which was huge. Um, but um, we, we are largely... Um, we focus on replication and dissemination. Yeah, because what I'm wondering is, if what if people listening to the show wanted to make a contribution? Um, well, they certainly could. I, I mean, I feel bad. Um, that certainly wasn't my intention in coming on your show. But well, um, no, you know what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, you know what? If more people would hear you speak, if more people would, I'm thinking, wow, what an impact that would have on this whole issue of eugenics, and. Um, I bet there are a lot of people who want to get behind that with funding because I meet these wonderful, wonderful, delightful, effective people who have intellectual disabilities, and I think what a waste it would be if we would have missed having them here. Oh, sure. But if you want more information and you can't get, you know, reach her immediately, you can always reach me and I will get the information to Erin because I think this is just... Uh, so great what you're doing. And Erin, when you first started Project Search, for anyone listening to the show, what, what can they expect? What were your major major obstacles at the beginning? Um, you know what, Joyce? My, I think my problem is I'm sometimes too honest and I always get myself in trouble on these kind of events. But um, I, I think the number one thing is low expectations um, on behalf of business people, on behalf of rehab staff, um, on behalf of educators, and quite honestly, on behalf of, of families. Um, I, I just think um, it, there's low expectations. Um, I think another obstacle was that um, in our model, it requires agencies you know, to come together and work together to, to do what I call braid their funding so that we're not asking any one agency to support the whole thing. We're saying, um, let's use the funding that, that exists to work with people with disabilities, let's just use it differently so that we're sustainable and, and can have a long-term program. And, and agencies aren't used to working that way together. Um, I think the other obstacle was probably some reluctance to follow um, an employer lead or, or to include a lawyer, I mean a lawyer, an employer, to include an employer um, as a key member. So, oh, I agree with you. And let me just tell you, I agree with you about lowering the bar. I do. I believe too many times people lower the bar for people with disabilities, and I think that is a very much part of the problem. I really do. I, I, I think that is, an, you know, that, that, that can be one of the biggest issues, as you mentioned, right with the family. So um, I guess that changed pretty quickly when everyone saw the success. Well, I think it does. I talk to family groups all the time, and... Um, you know, there's a lot of research out there that says that uh, people with significant disabilities, well, uh, people without disabilities, kind of at birth, you know, we start getting asked what we want to be when we grow up, and they dress us as firemen and cowboys and nurses, and we and we play all these games about um, with with an expectation that we'll be employed, and all the research shows that that seldom happens um, for anybody born with a developmental disability. It doesn't happen from doctors, from nurses, from parents, from relatives. 
And, you know, and the other thing is, a lot of times, young kids with disabilities are not given chores. And that is the building block to learning to grow up and be employed. You know, and I've even had families say to me, well, you know, my daughter's in a chair. I don't know. She couldn't set the table. Well, if she can't set the table, then put her in front of a computer and make her responsible for for picking the meals. You know, work with her to select the meals and um, and make and create a grocery list. There are many, many ways to think outside the box and still give people things that they're responsible for in life. Absolutely, because someday that same person will be an adult and will have to do many of these same things that they are told they can't do. Mm-hmm. And that is so true, having that socialization process from the beginning is what so many people with disabilities do miss out on. Erin, mm-hmm. um, one question I have. The majority of the people you work with, do the majority have intellectual disabilities? Um, probably three-fourths in Cincinnati. Um, mm-hmm. We certainly have folks who, like I said, we have people who have who are legally blind and who have hearing impairments or deaf. Um, we have people with cerebral palsy. Um, so we have a lot of people um, who do not have an intellectual disability, but the majority um, have an have an intellectual disability, and many have both an intellectual and a physical disability. Mm-hmm. Well, remember, you're hitting, you're pioneering an area where people have been left out the most. <laughs> that is why, to me, that is so fantastic what you're doing. No, so, Erin, how about telling our listeners now how big is, here you came up with this great idea. What has happened since then with Project Search? Well, well you know, like I mentioned earlier, um, we currently have um, 77 programs in some state of um, replication across the country, and we are right now working with the National Health Service in England. Um, they're interested in, in replicating it, and they actually have 600 member hospitals. Um, we were there I guess a couple months ago, and we'll be going back in October and November. But, you know, it's like, um, we have programs in Atlanta, and, and we don't manage all of them. We just teach people how to set them up and, and kind of a different model. But in Atlanta, um, they have over 50 people hired there um, in a couple hospitals. Seattle Children's now has 22 people with significant developmental disabilities employed. Southwest Washington Medical Center in Vancouver, Washington, has 12 um, you know, it, it's just um, it's just a different way of looking at the world, um, Joyce. And, and are these all uh, hospitals? Then that you that is it called Project Search everywhere? It most places call it that, just because we're we we have a model that we use and, and we teach, and um, and then it just it's easier. We we're having our first national conference um, in July in Cincinnati, and we're inviting anybody who's um, you know part of of using the model anywhere in the country to come together and talk about what works, what doesn't, how do we keep alive, how do we, you know, how do we not become stagnant and rest on our laurels, and uh, and we uh, are, are totally excited about that. Um, and we, and we have, like I said, we have people coming from all over. Um, so it um, it's, it's a great job, and it's it's a model. Quite honestly, um, it's not rocket science, <laughs> and um, it's, we can teach people how to do it pretty easily with really, really good results. Open mind. Open mind. That's what you need. And again, it's not a a charity. Remember, bottom line, great business results. We'll be right back to close the show with 
a leader in America, Miss Erin Riley, founder and senior director of Project Search. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Don't go away. Conversation at a click of a mouse. VoiceAmerica.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy-to-understand tools and tips. With his weekly guests, Jim draws from successes with professionals, college, high school, and youth teams, coaches, and players. Learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure, tension, and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance. Tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time right here on America's Voice, Voice America. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back. We've been talking to Aaron Riley, who is the director and founder of Project Search, but also with Disability Services at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. And Erin is really known nationally and now internationally for the work she's doing in this area of something very near and dear to my heart, and that is employment. Erin, I wanted to make sure, you already have given us a few examples, but I remember when I heard you speak once, and you were telling a story about some woman that was in the hospital, and I don't think she was feeling happy about the fact that she had a child with an intellectual disability. Yeah. You want to tell that story? Well, sure. Um, and again, you know, we had a mom, and uh, she had given birth to a, a baby with Down syndrome, and um, had not been expecting um, the baby to have Down syndrome. And they were they were air cared into our hospital. And uh, she later wrote a letter to our uh, president and CEO, and she said that here she was, and she was in the, you know, she'd been air cared in because her baby needed surgery, and she's sitting in the room, um, and she was crying. You know, and the, and the doctors and nurses are kind of coming in saying, well, you know, don't even worry about it. We do this surgery all the time. No, but, you know, we're, we're pretty accomplished. And she wrote and said, I, I wasn't crying because of the surgery. I, I was crying because I'd just given birth to a, a baby with Down syndrome, and I, I wasn't sure what my life was going to be like. Um, and she said that, She's sitting there crying, and into her room walks this young woman um, with Down syndrome who took one look at the baby and said, what a really cute baby, and then proceeded to stock every single supply in the room because she was one of our employees. 
And the mom wrote a letter and said it changed my life. Um, you know, it gave me hope, and I knew from that day forward that it would be okay. Uh, and again, we just have so many stories, Joyce, um, like that. I love that story. <laughs> I great. do. I remember that story. I love that story. And, and I love the story, too, about the person you were talking about that, you know, just made that one mistake in all those years with the surgical equipment. I mean, you have so many success stories like that. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you one thing I know from working with people with disabilities, that if you're listening to the show and you're in business, let me tell you what, the appreciation, the attitude is phenomenal. When you give people who have been left out an opportunity to work, and it will have an impact on other people that you work with. Have you seen that, Erin? Oh, there's no... No doubt. You know, we see it every day, Joyce. Um, we just had a young woman yesterday. Um, I'm sorry, not yesterday, Friday. Um, the hospital gives an award called the um, Harris Award and um, recognizing a patient transporter who's made a huge difference in, in patients' and parents' lives. And, um, and a young woman from Project Search wanted, and it wasn't charitable. It wasn't philanthropic. It's because of the number of letters from staff and patients and families that she had received. Um, just we see it every day. Every day. That is so fantastic. That really is. So, Aaron, here you are doing all this work, and of course, you know I'm. I I just think about employment of people with disabilities 24 by 7. My my question is, you know, we're not that far away from the 20th anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act, and we still have this astronomically high unemployment rate for Americans with significant disabilities. Why do you think that is? Well, again, I mean, really, um, I think, and I, I think I probably kind of answered that before, but it's, I think it's really about low expectations. Um, I think it's not, we, we don't have, there aren't enough role models that people are familiar with. There aren't people out there, um, I, I, and I think it's changing, but you know we need to be out there talking and, and giving examples that are radically different. Um, everything we do, every step needs to be publicized. We need to be careful about every every word we say, every picture we say. You know what I believe, Joyce, and um, you know as a businesswoman, I can't think of of any group or any product, and I, not to turn them into a, a product, but anything in our society that is marketed more negatively than people with disabilities. And that has to change. You know, I would call it deficit marketing. You know, it's kind of like we go into a business and, you know, the first thing we do is ask for a volunteer job or we start talking about the fact that we could pay a sub-minimum wage or that they could work for less or, you know, that they're going to need all this help. Well, basically what the employer is hearing is, oh, my gosh, this person must be really bad if you're telling me all this up front. You know, we go in the door and we say, um, I've got a person with a disability. Is there any way we could job carve their position? Could we take certain things out of it? You know, and my question is, how does anybody know up, hand, up front what a person with a disability, or anybody for that matter, can or cannot do? Why are people with disabilities not allowed to both fail and succeed on their own merits. It just doesn't happen for them. And so I think the whole way in which we, uh, in which we publicize and market um, what's going on with people with disabilities must change 
to away from what I would call deficit marketing. Does that make any sense? Oh yes, because to me that's all about no pity. Oh, absolutely. and I agree with you one hundred percent. Because if you go in and you start with please, please, I have oh. this whatever person. What you're saying is, I have this inferior person <laughs> that won't be able to do the job. I really feel sorry for them, and and that is one of the ruinations of success for people with disabilities. I'm just going to have to say amen. That's right. I mean, I just hate that so much, and I agree with you. that it, That is frequently marketed negatively, even sometimes in disability training. Oh, it's yeah. all about what people can't do because of their disability. Oh, yeah. And I'm saying, oh, well, boy, that's going to get people really excited to hire people. They already don't want to hire people with disabilities. Now we're going to tell them what they can't do versus what they can do. That's why you have to focus on the ability, right. not on the disability. That That is how I believe. And that is really what I think you're doing, Erin. Oh, That's why I think it's so wonderful what you're doing. So, Erin, tell me, you've done so much. One of which I want to mention before I ask this next question you are, in Project Search, the recipient of the New Freedom Initiative Award. Um, was that in 2004? I'm terrible with dates. I um, think. I, I think, think it, it was. Is. And I'm wondering, how has that impacted your company or helped you? Um, I think it has certainly helped us. It, it brought us some national attention. Um, it was well publicized. It, it gave us some validity, um, you know, to other businesses and, and uh and hospitals, and, and you'd asked before, we work certainly with hospitals, but we also now work with a number of banks. Um, you know, we, we have a huge presence in Fifth Third Bank um, and, are, and are beginning to work with SunTrust. Um, so um, it, it, it really, it kind of, it really raised our, um, I don't, I can't find the word, but uh, people were much more aware of our program. Now, now what do you do with banks? What do you do for them? You know, again, Joyce, it's, uh, it is amazing the types of complex jobs that are found in banks that still are typically routine or systematic. We have people doing jobs you would not imagine unless you, you saw it because it, you just can't imagine um, what's possible. But we have folks who are reconciling accounts. We have folks who are doing, um, you know, all kind of work with, with checks and, and, and vaults and filing um, See, and I'm not a bank person, um, so I can't give you the, the full title, but I just know we work with a lot of banks. And, and if, you know, again, Fifth Third would love to give anybody a tour because it is unbelievable what they have folks doing there um, with, with significant developmental disabilities. And, and where is that again? Uh, Fifth Third is also in Cincinnati, Ohio. Oh, well, you know what? That is awesome. Because, see, once again, it's that it's changing the mindset of how people think. And let me just say... You know, with the labor shortage coming before us, you're going to have to look at new labor pools. Yeah, no doubt. You know, with all the uh, baby boomer retirements. Mm -hmm. So, Erin, my question, what you you already have received many awards. If you look up Erin's name, uh, Erin, E-R-I-N, Riley, R-I-E-H-L-E, you'll see uh, when you Google her name, you know, that they've won all these awards and are frequently mentioned and thought very highly of with great credibility. And my question is, what accomplishment are you proudest of so far? Um, you know, that's tough. I, I would have to say that it, it, it's kind of, it's development of the Project Search model. 
um, just kind of thinking outside the box and and and, and a model that has really um, allowed me the opportunity to kind of speak across the country about what people with, with disabilities are really capable of doing, and then to see along with that um, a major change in employment. Well, you should be proud of that no, because you. it is contagious. You know, it's contagious, and oh my goodness, that makes me so happy. Uh, it, it is. It is really taking off, and you are to be admired. And I just want to say, as a person with a disability, you know, I really appreciate all this work that you're doing. Well, thank you very much, Joyce. You also, I mean, gosh, you're a, a huge leader in the field, and I'm just honored to be on your show. Well, we're honored to have you. So, Aaron, what message would you like to leave with our listeners today? You know, I'd say aim high. Uh, you must have high expectations, and it, it must be a part. It must show in, in every part, everything that you say and do every day in life, and that's what's going to change change jobs for people with disabilities. Well, that is a great message, and Aaron, we Aaron Riley, we loved having you on the show. I just want to say we end the show with a quote from a disability leader, and today it is from Aaron Riley, who said. We don't look for the easiest jobs. We look for jobs that are complex and systematic because we have the system to support them. Every time I hear that approximately 50% of people with significant disabilities are working in food service and cleaning, I'm amazed by that because it's true, it's honorable work, but there is no way that 60% of any population desires to work in one field, how true that is. Aaron Riley, good luck to you and to all my listeners. We'll see you next week. You're listening to Joyce Bender, the voice of voiceamerica.com. See you next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.